God bless you. You may be seated. Wow. Glad to be with you this morning. Glad to be in sunny Florida where it never rains. Except about 2 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Pastor Phyllis, thank you for this invitation and opportunity and for the introduction this morning. I was watching a video this week online back in the mid-90s. Any of you remember the mid-90s? Um, and uh, we were at a Brother Hagen meeting, and uh, Pastor Keith and Phyllis were there, and Lindsay and I were there, and a lot of others were there, Brother Copeland and others were there, and Keith had dark hair, and uh, I had hair. <laughs> it was dark. And uh, Brother Hagen was preaching on, on gathering up the spoil. And he was walking among the crowd, and I don't think any of us were on the chair. We were all on the floor. And it was a powerful meeting, and I was watching you, watching Phyllis and, and Pastor Keith and, and Lindsay and me, and the power of God was so powerful, uh, so present, uh, I should say. And I feel that same presence this morning. Amen. Father, we just thank you and praise you and give you honor and glory, for this is the day that you have made. And we rejoice and we are glad in it. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit indwell, indwelling in us. Thank you that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us because greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. Thank you for a fresh touch of that anointing that Pastor Phyllis prayed for. I receive it afresh and anew in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Give the Lord a mighty shout of praise this morning. Hello, Branson, and hello to all of you who are watching online. Remember, there is no distance in prayer, so we're all together today. Um, I want to take you back a little bit in time. It's said that you'll never know where you're going until you know where you've been. The year was 1918, southeast Oklahoma. It was a January day, snow on the ground. A pregnant mother was walking through a field on the way to pray for a neighbor's child. The child was sick unto death. The doctor said the boy would not survive. She, being a lay preacher, was climbing through a barbed wire fence, and as she did, she made a covenant with God. She said, God, if you'll heal this child, then I will dedicate this baby that I'm carrying, my fifth and final child to you. I want him to have black hair and blue eyes. I want him to preach the gospel and pray for the sick around the world. She climbed on through the barbed wire fence and went into the little farmhouse and prayed for the child and God healed him. And he lived till he was 86. A couple of weeks later, on the 24th of January, she gave birth to her fifth and final baby. They named him Granville Oral Roberts. That was my father, in case you didn't know that. And um, they said, we'll call him Oral, which means spoken word. And that became like a nickname to him, his middle name, but everyone called him Oral. It was ironic, however, because he stuttered and couldn't really say his name or talk when he got under pressure. In school, the kids mocked him. They wanted to laugh at him because when he talked, he stuttered, and when he stuttered, they laughed. The teacher would send him to get a drink of water, but it wasn't water that he needed. It was a healing. Boys would chase him home from school. His mother would shoo them away because they wanted to hear him talk because when he talked, they could laugh. And he would climb up on her lap and she would say, Son, someday God is going to heal your stuttering tongue. And you'll take God's healing power to your generation. Mama, he would say, how can this be? I can hardly say my name. Those were depression days in the early 1930s. And as a teenager, he became sick and tired of being sick and tired. And living in poverty. His father, Ellis Melvin, my grandfather, was a preacher and a farmer. In fact, he established uh, 12 churches in Oklahoma and Arkansas. He was Methodist, about six feet two, big hands, booming voice. My, mother, my grandmother was Pentecostal, 
and a lay preacher. They were Methecostals. He preached, she prayed for the sick. They were a team. And he became so dissatisfied with Christianity, the way it was being practiced in those days, that he ran away from home. He didn't want to be a preacher. He wanted to be a lawyer. And later the governor of Oklahoma. How could it be? He ran off down to Durant, which is just north of the Texas border, where he lived in a judge's home, studying law books, delivering papers at 4 o'clock in the morning and going to school and being the captain of the high school basketball team. And one Friday night in a district championship game, as he was making a driving layup with the ball in his hands, he collapsed to the floor, hemorrhaging from his lungs. Blood was flowing everywhere. Referees called timeout. The coaches picked him up, and they said, we're going to take you home, which was about 100 miles north. And when he got there, they put him in the bed, and three doctors diagnosed him with tuberculosis. In those days, it was called consumption. And in those days, you died. They had no medicines in 1935, no antibiotics. They gave you a mixture of raw eggs beaten up in milk. And that's okay if you want to make a cake. <laughs> it doesn't do much for tuberculosis. Tuberculosis in those days was the scourge of the Native American Indian people. And there's Cherokee and Choctaw blood in my family. Several family members had already died. And when you went to bed with tuberculosis, you didn't get out. He lost 50 pounds, emaciated, skin and bones, 17 years old, two, six feet two, and, and hardly weighing anything. Papers had been signed to take him to the tuberculosis sanitarium, which was in Tallahassee, a little town in the hills of eastern Oklahoma. And when you went to that sanitarium, you didn't come out. People would come and pray and visit him, give him offerings, give him gifts as he lay in the bed. He would cough and the blood would spatter across the room and mess the walls. One day a preacher came to pray. And he prayed a prayer like this. Lord, if it be your will, heal this boy. And my grandmother chased him out of the house. She said, if you can't pray a healing prayer for my boy, then get out and don't ever come back. My grandfather, who was a pastor, sat at the foot of his bed and said, I'm not going to get up until my baby boy gets saved. I don't want my youngest child to go to hell. And so for day after day, he sat there praying. He had a captive audience. And one day, as my dad would later say, his father's face disappeared and the face of Jesus appeared. And for the first time in his life, he began to cry out to the Lord. Lord, save me. He gave his heart to the Lord that day in that bed. But he still had tuberculosis with a death sentence. Something happened a few days later. His older sister, Jewel, came into the room and said seven words that changed his life. Oral, God is going to heal you. Is he, Jewel? Yes. And a spark was lighted in his heart to believe for what seemed impossible. And a day or two later, his older brother, Elmer, my oldest uncle, came into the room and said, Oral... There's a man in town. He has a tent. He's preaching and praying for the sick. People are getting healed. And last night there was an, an Indian boy that was healed of tuberculosis. I'm going to take you there. And he had to dress him himself because my dad had lost the power to walk. He wrapped him up in a mattress and put him in the back seat of a borrowed car and put in 35 cents worth of gasoline to drive the miles into the little town of Ada where the tent was. And when he got there, the tent was full, nearly a thousand people. And Brother George Muncie preached a message entitled, If You Need Healing, Do These Things. And afterwards he said, Who needs the prayer of faith? And people began to rush the platform. And they had to stand my dad up and hold him because he couldn't stand on his own. It was nearly 11 o'clock that night before Brother Muncie prayed for him. But when he did, he didn't say, Lord, if it be your will. He prayed a different kind of prayer. It sort of went like this. You foul, tormenting sickness. 
I adjure you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whose I am and whom I serve. Come out of this boy. Loose him and set him free. And as my dad would testify years later, the power of God began to come into his feet and into his legs and up into his body and into his lungs. Suddenly he could breathe all the way in and all the way out without hemorrhaging and spitting up blood. And Brother Muncie put a microphone in front of him and said, tell the people what God has done. And he talked five minutes before he realized he had not stuttered once. It's good to remember. Good to remember your heritage, where you came from. Good to remember your roots. And he had given his life to the Lord. Now he had to get well. And it took some months for him to get his strength back and to build his weight back up. And during that time, he traveled with my grandfather. And they were a father and son preaching team. And then he met a young school teacher uh, who was born in Warsaw, Missouri. <laughs> and she was teaching school in, in the Rio Grande Valley in, in Texas. And um, they were married. And soon they had two children, my older sister, Rebecca, my older brother, Ronnie. And soon they were pastoring in Georgia and in North Carolina and then back to Oklahoma. Now it's the late 1940s. And was pastoring in Enid, which is a little town about 70 miles to the west of Tulsa, out in the wheat fields where the wind blows two speeds, harder, hard and harder. <laughs> 70-member Pentecostal church. They taught salvation, but nobody was getting saved. They taught healing, but nobody was getting healed. And once again, he became dissatisfied. Sick and tired of being sick and tired. Anybody like that this morning? Dissatisfied? Well, he was dissatisfied. And he was in the little closet of an office. It's about the size of a closet. On a Saturday morning when the phone rang, and it was one of his members who owned an automobile repair shop, and a motor of a car had fallen off of its blocks and had landed on the man's foot and had crushed every bone. And the man was screaming and writhing in pain, and my dad jumped in the car to go over there. And when he got there, the man was just crying and screaming, every bone in his foot broken. And he brushed his hand across his foot and said, Lord, heal him. And to his, to, his, uh, to his surprise, God did it. And the man began to stomp his foot on the ground and dried up his tears. And he said, Brother Roberts, what did you do? He said, well, I just prayed. And he said, I know, but look, look, I can, look, my foot's healed. And my dad went back home and said to my mother, Evelyn, this is what happened. And she said, this is the beginning of the healing ministry that your mother prophesied. He said, a foot? <laughs> yes. Never despise a small beginning. Nothing great starts big. Starts small. And they began to pray and fast and seek the Lord. And the Lord said, I want you to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the book of Acts. And I want you to read it through consecutively three times on your knees. And he began to do it. And he began to fast before the Lord. And the Lord showed him the plan for his life and the healing ministry that had been prophesied over him. And the following Sunday, he said to his little 70-member congregation, I've laid out three fleeces before the Lord. And if the Lord does not answer these three fleeces, then I will no longer be a Christian. I will resign as your pastor, and I will get a job in the S&Q men's clothing store and sell clothes, I will not be a Christian anymore. Everyone wanted to know what the three fleeces were. He said, in three weeks' time, we're going to have a healing meeting in the Enid Municipal Auditorium, building the seats about a thousand. He said, number one, the building has to be full. Well, that was impossible. There was no TV, there was no radio, no advertising, a little 70-member church in a little one-horse town with city limit signs almost back-to-back. -back. How could you get a thousand people for a healing meeting? The second fleece was the offering had to cover all the expenses. Now that was even harder because Christians in those days were taught that if God would keep you humble, people would keep you poor. 
And third, somebody had to be healed so that they knew it and he knew it. And when he gave those three fleeces, all the heads in the crowd dropped because they knew in three weeks they would no longer have a pastor. They advertised the best they could. They put up signs in the little stores and went door to door in the little tiny town. And when the day came, they drove up behind the building to the stage entrance, and the janitor was on the steps. said, Are you Oral Roberts? Yes. Well, I understand you're believing for a thousand people in this building. Yes. Well, would you like to know how many are there? I just counted them. My dad said I just wanted to hit him. The man said, There are more than 1,000 people in that building. That's fleece number one. He walked on the platform and said, I'm going to raise the offering first and I'm going to count it. And he did. And the offering was $3 more than the expenses. Fleece number two. And he preached a message entitled, If you need healing, do these things. And afterwards he said, Who needs the prayer of faith? Just like Brother Muncie had done when he was, when my dad was 17. And people began to come forward. There was a German woman in town. Everybody knew her. Her hand had been frozen for 30 years. Everyone knew she could not open her hand. And when he prayed for her, her hand shot open. And she began to do this. And she began to scream. And people saw it. Everybody saw it. And people began to rush the platform for prayer. And healings began to break out. That was the beginning of the healing ministry. And the Lord spoke to him that afternoon and said, you're, you're not going to be able to stay in Enid. You're going to have to move to Tulsa. Tulsa has an airport. I'm going to send you all over the world to preach the gospel and to pray for the sick. It's good to go back and remember. And the following year, 1947, they moved to Tulsa. And my mother became pregnant with me. You do the math. I was to be born on November the 9th, 1948. My mother had given birth to my sister Rebecca on the exact day the doctor said she would be born. She gave birth to my brother Ronnie on the exact day the doctor said he would be born. Funny thing about her, she had her babies on the exact day. And I was scheduled on the 9th of November and my dad was in Dallas Conducting a crusade was due to schedule to, to close the crusade on the 8th of November, drive home through the night, and get home for my birth on the 9th. When the pastors came to him and said, Brother Roberts, if you'll extend the meeting three days, there will be many more salvations and healing miracles. And he said, I'm so sorry, I, I can't do that. I've got to close tonight because my wife is giving birth to our third child tomorrow. The Lord has shown us he's going to be a boy now, those were long before the days of ultrasound. He's going to be a boy. We're going to name him Richard, which means lion-hearted. And so I have to be home for his birth. And they said, well, couldn't you telephone your wife and ask her to postpone him <laughs> for three days? And let him be born on the 12th. He said, well, I suppose I could. And so he called my mother and said, Evelyn, the pastors say that if we extend the crusade three days, there'll be many more miracles. Uh, would you consider postponing Richard's birth till the 12th? <laughs> now, this will give you a picture of my mother and my father. She said, Oral Roberts, if you will set your faith in agreement with me, according to Matthew 18, verses 18 and 19, where it says, if two shall agree on earth as concerning anything that they shall ask, it shall be done by my father in heaven. And they agreed to postpone me until the 12th. <laughs> she said, honey, you preach on tonight, you preach tomorrow, the 10th and the 11th. And then if you finish on the 11th, uh, drive home. You get home 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, about a 4 or 5 hour drive. And uh, when you get home, you get some sleep. The next morning, I'll have breakfast prepared. I'll have my bag packed. We'll eat and we'll go to the hospital. <laughs> uh, you think I'm kidding. But I'm not. And sure enough, he preached the 8th, the 9th, the 10th, the 11th, and drove home, got home about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning after the service. Next morning at 8 o'clock, she had breakfast on the table with her little white bag packed. And they had breakfast and got in the car and went to the hospital. 
and the nurse examined her and said, Mrs. Roberts, you can just go home. There'll be no baby today. And my mother said, oh, yes, there will. And she said, oh, no, there won't. And my mother said, oh, yes, there will. And the nurse said, no, there won't. And she said, you don't understand. We have made a covenant with God that our third child, Richard Lee, will be born today. And she said, well, you can sit here all you want, but I'm not going to call the doctor. And uh, so they sat in the waiting room. And the hours passed. But long about dinner time, she said, maybe I better examine Mrs. Roberts one more time. And took her in the back room, and suddenly there was a blood-curdling scream. Somebody call the doctor! <laughs> and on November 12, 1948, I came into the world. Just like they had planned. And I grew up uh, as Earl Roberts' son. And all that went with it. I loved my dad. I loved to travel in his crusades. I loved to sit on the front row because uh, I never knew when there was going to be a miracle. When I'd see someone's cancer fall off. When I'd see someone born deaf healed. When I'd see a blind eye open. When I'd see a crippled child begin to run. And sometimes he would call me up and have me stand by his side and and then sometimes he would say, you pray for them. I didn't realize that God was preparing me for the healing ministry. I just knew I loved my daddy and wanted to be with him. All over the United States and Canada, whenever school was out and summer vacation, and sometimes when school was on, we'd get out of school to go to a crusade. All over the country, seeing great miracles and having to endure all the jokes and all the criticism and all the harsh words and and foul language that was spoken, and all that the media said. And it turned me inside out. When Life magazine wrote an expose on my father in 1963, when I was about, I guess, 13 or 14, it just it tore me up. Because when I got to school, everybody had a copy, including the teacher. And he and Marilyn Monroe were in the same edition and she was painted as a goddess and he was painted as a devil it just crushed our family and I got angry I got angry at God I got angry at people and uh, I came home many a day with a bloody nose and I left some bloody noses too and I wanted out I did not want to be a Christian I did not want to answer what I knew was the call of God on my life I wanted to get away. History has a way in families of repeating itself. And I wanted to get away. And by the time I was 14 or 15, I was playing guitar and I was singing in a rock and roll group and I was traveling through the state of Oklahoma uh, playing for high school dances and other things. And, and I was involved in everything that a kid could get his hands on in those days. Thank God there were no drugs in those days. But I was involved in just about everything else. By the time college time came to me, my father had, had opened a university, but that's the last place in the world I wanted to go. I wanted to get out on my own. I wanted to go to Las Vegas. I wanted to be a star. And I wanted to come home and jam it down their throats. And so I went away to school, and I was singing in clubs, and, and, uh, and I was playing guitar, and I was, I was making money. And I got offered a contract by the Sahara Hotel in Las Vegas to come and sing in their lounges. And I thought, I have arrived. This is going to be me making my mark. And when I make my mark, I'll come home and I'll shove it down their throat and show them what I can do. And a funny thing happened to me on the way to Las Vegas. I got sick. And I was hospitalized at the University of Kansas Medical Center, there where I was a student. And I lay in a ward with four or five other young men facing surgery. And it got real serious. I didn't want to go through that surgery. And uh, I said to the Lord, you know, it's amazing who you talk to when you get in trouble. <laughs> A man said to me, I don't believe in miracles. I said, well, you will when you need one. <laughs> Theology changes, no matter what your background is. And I said, Lord, if you will heal me and cancel this surgery, I'll serve you. Now, those are dangerous words. But I meant them. And I'm telling you, the power of God 
just like my father had described, came up my feet, up my legs, into my body, and suddenly I knew that that situation was taken care of. And the next morning, the doctors confirmed it with more tests before the surgery, and they released me from the hospital. And I quickly forgot my vow. Another year went by. And I was up in Chicago singing, and I got sick again. And I remembered the promise that I had made, and that I had let God down. And they put me in the bus and drove me back home, put me in my old bed. I would not slept in that bed in several years. And my mother said, your dad will be home tomorrow. He's in a crusade in California. And he'll come in and pray for you, and you'll be well. And I knew what would happen when uh, my father laid hands on me, because he had laid hands on me many times. And I lay there in that bed with a raging fever, and I'd lost my voice, and I was at the end. Sure enough, he came home the next day, and we had been estranged and had not spoken. Uh, because uh, he wanted me to use my talent for God, and I wanted to, you know, I wanted to tell him what he could do with it. And uh, in fact, I told him to get the hell out of my life. And he said, "Well, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get the hell out of your life." <laughs> it's funny now. wasn't funny then. But he came into the room, and it was like all that kind of vanished, and uh, the the wall came down. And suddenly we were father and son again, and, and he, he came over to my bed to touch me. But when he did, he backed away, which was un unusual for him, and he began to prophesy over me. And he said, son, I see you standing in great auditoriums and great stadiums around the world. I see you before kings and queens and prime ministers and great leaders. I see you laying hands on leaders of nations. I see you with great healing miracles. I see you having twice as many miracles as I've had. Well, you could have knocked me over with a feather, you know. I, 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 I wanted to go to Las Vegas. <laughs> and uh, then he laid hands on me, and my voice came back. My, my fever was gone, and I could stand, and I was well instantly. And I got on my knees, and I said, Lord... Be merciful to me, a sinner. I repented and I gave my heart to the Lord. And God showed me that he had a different dream for my life. I didn't know all about it. But I knew that once I was lost, and now I was found. Las Vegas was out of my mind. And I knew that I was called to preach and pray for the sick. So I joined his ministry full-time, traveling in his crusades. And then when he gave up his crusades, when he was in his late 60s, um, uh, I, in, I embarked on my own crusades. Uh, and uh, he had prophesied over me that I would have crowds overseas twice the size that he had had, which happened numerous times. And during those years, I laid my hands on some 35 heads of state all over the world. In prayers of faith, every prophetic word that he gave has come to pass. And I thank God. And I look back now over these years. I just recently celebrated my 70th birthday. I know I don't look older than 69, but I'm really 70. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, I look back over these years, and I thank God. I thank God for my heritage. And I'm proud to be a Christian. I'm not ashamed that I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm not ashamed that I preach and pray for the sick and have done all over the world and will continue to as long as I have strength in my body. I've learned that the name of Jesus is higher than any name. Had an experience recently in our home. Our TV in the living room has been on the blink. And uh, all of a sudden it'll just go, half the screen will go black. And there'll be lines on the other side where you can't make out who's on TV and, and the, the, the graphics at the bottom will, will, will flare out and you can't, you can't read it. And it's been doing that for a time. It's an older television. I probably need to replace it. Well, no, probably I need to replace it. But it, it, just, it just goes crazy. And, and it always seems to happen right in the middle of something that you want to watch. <laughs> and the other day, uh, right in the middle of a program, it just went crazy.
crazy. And I got so angry, I got up and walked over to the television set, put my hand on it, said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And it was. <laughs> Suddenly the picture just came back. And I turned to Lindsay and I was shocked. It's amazing. You pray for something and then it happens and you're just shocked. I was shocked that just out of the blue, I said, Lord, and I was angry when I did it. I just be healed in Jesus' name. And it was. And I thought to myself, do we Christians have any idea of the power that we have available to us through the name of Jesus? Philippians tells us that God has given Jesus a name which is above every name named in heaven and earth. And at that name, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Can you say Lord? Lord. To the glory of God the Father. His name is higher than cancer. His name is higher than heart problems. His name is higher than diabetes. His name is higher than hypertension and high blood pressure. His name is higher than arthritis or any itis that there is. His name is higher than loss of hearing or, or a problem with the eustachian tube or eardrum or a cataract or a glaucoma. His name is higher than a blood problem. His name is higher than any tumor or mass or growth. His name is higher than any financial loss. His name is higher than depression, discouragement, fear, anxiety, worry, anger, bitterness, loneliness. His name is higher for God has given him a name which is above every name named in heaven and earth. And when that TV was healed, it hit me like a bolt out of heaven. The power and the authority that we have as Christians when we invoke the name of Jesus. Because when we use the name of Jesus, demons tremble. And sickness and disease begins to pack their bags and leave town. Because there's power in the name of Jesus. On the last night of, earthly, of Jesus' earthly life, in John... Chapter 16, he said to his disciples, before now, you have asked nothing in my name. Now they had heard him ask. They had heard him cry, Abba, Father. They had seen him heal the sick and cleanse the lepers and raise the dead. They had seen him stop funeral processions on the way to the graveyard. They'd seen him take coins out of fishes' mouths and multiply loaves and fishes. And they'd seen the great miracles, but they had never asked. He said, up until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you shall receive, so that your joy may be full. He gave them the power of attorney to use his name. On January the 11th, 1980, almost 40 years ago, I asked a young lady by the name of Lindsay to be my wife. We're about to celebrate our 40th wedding anniversary in January. I think I deserve a hand clap on that, I think. 40 years with the same woman, now that's a miracle. But we'll be married 40 years in, in, in January. And she said yes. And she took my name. She was no longer Lindsay Salem, who was born in Flint, Michigan. Her dad was a car dealer up in uh, Flint, a Lincoln Mercury dealer. And he had passed away when she was 12. And my dad had led him to the Lord. But I'd never met her. And I didn't meet her years later until she came to college and was a law student. Uh, and she became Mrs. Richard L. Roberts. I gave her my name. That's what women do. Women take their husband's name. She was no longer Lindsay Salem. She became Lindsay Roberts. She became Mrs. Richard Roberts. And all the inherent rights in my name were hers. I gave her my name. And pretty soon she was good at using my name. She could use it on checks. She could use it on credit cards. 
And it was just like I was standing there with her, no matter where I was in the world, she could pull that out with my name on it, and it would cash. And Jesus has given us his name. He's given us the right and the power and the authority to use his name. He said, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive so that your joy may be full. He was about to go to the cross to cut a new covenant in his shed blood for the remission of our sins. He was about to have his back bloodied and striped 39 times for every sickness and every disease known to mankind. He was about to be flogged and and ridiculed and, and marred almost beyond recognition. He was about to go into the grave for three days and take captivity captive and take those who those righteous who had died before to heaven and to prepare a place for us. He was about to be raised from the dead and say, because I live, you shall live also. He was preparing them for his going and he said to them, it's better for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, I can't send the comforter. I can't send the Holy Spirit, the divine paraclete. The one called alongside to help you, not to just be with you, but to be in you. I'm preparing you. And believe me, if I go away, I will come back. He was preparing them for the opportunity to use his name. And even those who forsook him and fled, even those who denied him once they repented, they learned how to use his name. And when Peter and John went to the temple to pray and they saw the blind or the the beggar there, the crippled beggar, and said to him, such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. He put out his hand, and when that man took it, the power of God was transferred into the body of that crippled man, and suddenly he could stand, he could walk, he could run, he could leap, and go into the service with them. And when that happened, the religious leaders got so upset, and somebody will always be upset over your miracle. And they said, by whose authority, by what name have you done this? And they said, by the name of the one that you crucified, by the name of Jesus. They thought they'd put Jesus to death and that was the end of it. But now little Jesuses had raised up all over and they were using his name for God has given him a name which is above every name named in heaven and earth. And we have the authority and the right to use his name. And they said, don't teach, don't preach in this name again. And they said, whether it's right to listen to God or listen to you, you be the judge. But as for us, we're going to speak of the things which we have seen and heard. I've seen too many miracles to stop. I've seen too many things. I've stood on platforms all over the world. I remember when I was in Kenya and there was a woman who had a a, a basketball-sized tumor in her belly. She looked like she was pregnant, but she was not pregnant. She was pregnant she was pregnant with a tumor, a cancerous tumor, and when I prayed for her, the tumor went completely flat. I saw it happen. And in that same crusade, a, a young woman who, who was diagnosed with AIDS was one hundred percent healed, confirmed by her doctors. I've seen that all over the world because I used the name of Jesus. One night I was in Nigeria, up in northern Nigeria in a Muslim area. And there was a young man who had come crippled. He had never walked a step in his life. 21 years of age, Muslim, named Abdul. And when I prayed for him, the same thing happened to him that happened to that man in the book of Acts. Suddenly, the power of God came into his feet and legs, and for the first time in his life, he stood. And he came to the, to the platform, and people were jumping and dancing and cheering, and I didn't know what was going on. And the interpreter said, uh, this, is, this is a young man who is carried to the post office every day. His parents carry him there because he can't walk. And he sits there and begs for money. And now look at him. He's running. He's leaping. And the crowd's running and jumping and rejoicing. And now I'm starting to run and rejoice too. And he's on the platform going back and forth, jumping and leaping. And the crowd's going wild. And the the media was there, you know, and and they came and interviewed him. And the next morning on the newspaper uh, headline, Beggar of Jos healed because of that miracle. The next night, 100,000 people came to hear the word of God. 25,000 Muslims got saved that night. Because of the name of Jesus. 
It's a name that's above every other name. You name any name. And the name of Jesus is higher. And I'll tell you, if he can heal a TV set on the blink, then it's not a problem for him to heal you. Because you are more valuable than a television set. So, Father, right now, in the authority of the name of Jesus, whose I am and whom I serve, I invoke, I use that name which is above every name named. I come against every sickness. I come against every disease. I come against every fear, every doubt. I come against anything and everything that has come against you. And I curse it. And I bind it in Jesus' name. I don't say, Lord, if it be your will. For it's established in your will. You want us well. You said in 3 John 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. That means that God wants you healed in every area of your life. And he gets no glory out of you being sick. That's the devil's deal. I take authority over that in Jesus' mighty name. I cast that off of you. I rebuke it in Jesus' name. Whether you're here in Sarasota or you're watching live in Branson or you're somewhere in Timbuktu watching on the internet. I send the word to you. And I remind you that Psalm 107 verse 20 says, He sent His word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. So I send the word to you. Just like Jesus did to the Roman army captain whose military aid was sick. And Jesus sent the word and healed him. I send that word to you. Who needs healing in your back this morning? If you need, you need healing in your back, stand up. There's an anointing for healing right now in backs. Right where you are. If you're in Branson, stand up. If you're here in Sarasota, stand up. If you're online, just stand up there where you are by your computer or your laptop or your smartphone or your dumb phone or whatever phone you got. If you have back pain... Now, somebody who's sitting, reach out and touch that person. You watch what's about to happen. In the authority, here it comes, in the authority of the name of Jesus. I come against this debilitating back pain. That which is on the left side, that which is on the right side, that which is up in the top of your back, below your shoulder blade, that which is at the lower part, even down to your tailbone. That which has bothered uh, your... Uh, your um, the center of your back, the discs and the vertebra, in the authority of Jesus' name, be healed. There it goes, there it goes, there it goes. Every back pain, come out, come out. And again I say, come out in Jesus' mighty name. And there it goes. Back pain's leaving now. You're going to begin to move. You're going to begin to be able to move and twist and turn and a number of you are going to find the pain that you've had is leaving you now examine yourself right now people are going to find pain is leaving you right now in Jesus name pain you've had is leaving you you'll be able to bend and move without pain in Jesus name just examine yourself see what you can do just see what you can do just see what you can do it's happening right now you don't have to wait a second longer. It's happening right now. How many of you can tell right now, healing's going into your back? Wave your hand at me. Hold it up high. Hold it up high. Look at that. Dozens and dozens of hands. Somebody give praise to the Lord. That's healing. You say, well, you didn't touch me. That's right. Because it's not my touch that matters. It's His touch. It's He's the one you want to touch you. Because my hands are just human hands. It's Jesus' touch that we need. Somebody got pain in your shoulder, stand up. Pain in your shoulder, stand up. Anyone with pain in your shoulders or your feet or your legs or your knees, and you need healing this morning, stand up. Pain in your feet or your, or your, or your knees or your hips or any other type of arthritis or in your fingers or in your arms, stiffness or swelling. Anything like that in your feet or your knees or your hips or your shoulders or your hands. Now somebody sitting, reach out and touch that person next to you. This is how God uses me. He uses me through the word of knowledge and through the gifts of healing. 
He said to me, son, you won't lay hands on people like your father did. He said, I'll give you a different method. It's no better, it's no worse, just different. He said, your father laid hands on people, you'll send the word. And I've done that all over the world and continue to do that. Now, someone touched them in the authority of the name. Here it comes. Here it comes right now. In the, there, there comes healing in shoulders right now. In the name of Jesus, every sh- there's a clicking, there's a clicking, there's a clicking in the shoulder now. It's coming, it's coming out. Every pain in the shoulder, come out. I take hold of it by my faith and pull it out of your shoulders. Now, quite a number of you are going to find you're able to lift your shoulder. There's no clicking. You're going to be able to lift it all the way up. You're going to be able to put it behind your back. In the authority of Jesus' name, I speak to the hips and the sciatica and the problem, the pain that goes down the back of your hips. In the name of Jesus, every, there it goes, every pain, come out and enter again no more forever. 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 Pain in the knees and the stiffness and the swelling and the inability to climb up and down steps without pain. I rebuke that. I bind that. There it goes in Jesus' name. Swelling go down. Knees be healed. There goes healing in the knees. Someone's going to be able to lift your knees and find the pain is gone. You'll be able to sit down and stand up without any discomfort. Pain in the feet and in the hands. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke the carpal tunnel syndrome and all the stiffness and swelling in your fingers and the inability to move your fingers without pain. I bind, there it goes, there it goes. I bind that. That's a word of knowledge now. I bind that in Jesus' name. And in your feet and your ankles and all the the swelling, someone's swelling in your ankles going down right now. You're going to be able to look down and see visibly see as a woman you're going to see visibly the swelling is gone from your ankles and your feet now in Jesus and there's a migraine headache being healed right now whoever you are you came to church with a headache and it is now gone in the name of Jesus just lift your hands and begin to rejoice thank you father begin to move those shoulders begin to move your hips and your feet see what God's doing just examine yourself just see what God is doing Move your feet, move your shoulders, move your hands. Just see what God is doing. Move your hips. Just twist again like we did last summer. Come on. How many of you can tell right now there's healing happening? Wave your hand at me. Hold it up high. Look at that, Pastor Phyllis. Look at that. Look at the hands. Dozens and dozens and dozens of hands. Somebody give thanks to God. You see, this, this, isn't, this isn't rocket science. This is not some kind of mathematical formula. This is not something that you have to you have to iron out. You just use the name of Jesus and you believe. The same way that my parents believed that my birth would be postponed three days is the same principle that I'm using today. Amen. I'm speaking it, I'm believing it, and you're receiving it, and it's happening. Yes. Somebody give praise to the Lord this morning. I was preaching out in California. How many of you have heard of California? I was, I was just two weeks ago, I was out in California, and I had a service just like this. 50% of the crowd got healed. Hallelujah. Half of the crowd. Just like you're getting healed today. Half of the crowd. The pastor was absolutely astounded. 50% of his people were healed. He said, There's nobody left to pray for. I said, What a great problem. What a great problem. Who needs healing in your eyes this morning? Stand up for prayer. Who needs healing in your hearing? Stand up. Who needs healing in your blood? Or in your, in, your, in your blood pressure or your blood sugar? Who needs healing in that area? Who needs healing in your heart? In your arteries? Who needs healing from a mass or a tumor or a growth or something like that? Some type of cancer? I hate cancer with a passion. I want to take hold of it and rip it apart. Well, I can't do that physically, but in the spirit realm I can. Just someone lay hands on them now, right now. Whatever other needs you have, maybe I haven't mentioned it, but God knows what it is. If that's you, just stand up. Tumor on the leg is dissolving now. 
tumor on the leg. Tumor on the leg is dissolving now in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you. I thank you and praise you. You foul tormenting blindness, cataract, glaucoma, blurred vision, chorioretinitis, problem with the pupil or the iris, be healed. I send the word into your eyes this morning. Be healed. Every cataract dissolve. All the spots, all the dry eyes, stop it in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Father, there's healing right now in eyes. Loss of hearing in the name of Jesus. Come out. Your station tube, eardrum, open up. Hearing come forth. I've seen it so many hundreds and thousands of times. Be healed in your hearing. There, now, 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 now. There's healing coming in ears right now. Healing coming now, now. Healing's coming now, now in eyes. Healing's coming now in ears. Healing's coming. Healing's coming now in ears and eyes. Healing's coming. Vision's coming. Hearing's coming in the name of Jesus. You foul tormenting mass, tumor, growth, cancer, come out. I arrest you. By the authority of the name of Jesus, whose name is above every name, named in heaven and earth. Every cancerous cell, every outlaw cell, be healed. Red cells, white cells, line up with the word of God. Call that out of you. Healed and whole in Jesus' name, from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. Blood pressure. Aha, uh-huh. a lot of you stood for that. Pressure which is too high. And pressure which is too low. In the name of Jesus. Blood pressure. Regulate. That which is too high. Come down. That which is too low. Come up. Regulate. Come into the regulated area. In Jesus name. Level out. Blood sugar. That which is too high. Come down. That which is too low. Come up. Regulate. Come into the normal level in Jesus' name. Sickle cell, come out in the name of Jesus. Every foot, every hand, every back, every shoulder blade, every tonsil, every organ in your body, your brain, your blood, be healed from the crown of your head. Remember the Bible says you shall not be polluted in your own blood. Blood be healed. Any blood disorder, any hemophilia, hemophilia be healed in Jesus' name. Yes, I'll do that, Lord. I come against every depression. I come against every fear, for God has not given you a spirit of fear, but He has given you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. You're not going to go crazy. I bind that off of you in the name of Jesus. No one is going to drive you crazy. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. So stop saying it. Stop being a self-fulfilling prophecy. Start saying, I am the healed of the Lord. I am healed by the stripes on Jesus' back. I receive it by faith. I'm not the sick of the devil. I am the healed of the Lord. I call forth healing in every area of your life. Those of you, you sowed your seed this morning in your tithe and offering. I'm believing with you that God will open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing so much that there will not be room enough to receive it and that God will rebuke the devourer, the devil, for your sake. In the name, so expect it, expect it, expect it. Don't let those words on that board up there that we read a little while ago be just words. That's life to you. In the name of of Jesus. Everybody standing for a minute. Everybody standing. Everybody standing. Everybody standing. Turn right now towards someone. Turn towards someone. Lay your hands on them and begin to pray. Begin to rebuke the devil. Begin to tell the devil to take his hands off God's property. The Bible says in James, pray one for another that you may be healed. Pray for their healing. Believe that healing will come back to you. Eyes are being healed this morning. Hearing is being healed. Blood sugar, blood pressure is changing. Heart beat normally in the name of Jesus. Arterial sclerosis, come out. And enter again no more. Forever. Forever. 
forever in the name of the Lord. Did you not know that I would be in your presence this morning? Did you not know that I am your Savior? I am your healer. I am your deliverer. Did you not know that I'm only a prayer away? Did you not know the authority and power you have when you invoke my name? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now begin to give praise unto the Father. Thank Him for healing. Thank Him for healing. Thank Him for healing that's in process this morning. Thank Him now. Thank Him. Thank Him while it's happening. I call it forth in the name of Jesus. Lift your voice in the Spirit. Lift your voice in tongues. Kino kosumbra kasaya sandia. Kela mokosodia tana kasabra. Vasine didi kisiere ana kostobro kosoya sandia stamba. Kela makasatia tana kasambra kasa. Praise you, Father. Now, while you're standing there, every one of you who felt the touch of God today and can tell there's a healing happening, I want you to wave your hand at me. Pastor Phillips, look at that. Look at that. Look at Brandon. Look at look what's happening in Branson. And no telling what's happening across the internet. See, there's no distance in prayer. Hallelujah. Let's give praise to the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. 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 And you know, when you pray in tongues, something wonderful happens. Not only are you edified, not only are you built up, the way the Apostle Paul says, but when you stop and begin to pray in your own language, as the Apostle Paul also taught us, because he said, let him who prays in an unknown tongue pray, he may interpret. When you pray back in your own language, God begins to give you ideas and concepts and new and innovative ways of doing things like never before. And suddenly, you know what to do. Isn't that good? Give him praise today. Hallelujah. One more time. Who's felt the power of God? You, you know you're different in your body. Wave your hand at me. Who can tell you're different? Who can tell it's changed? Back's well. Shoulders well. Feet are well. Pain's gone. Seeing better. Hearing better. Wave your hand at me. That's God. That's God. Hallelujah. God bless you. You can be seated. Wow. Wow. You're watching me do what I love doing more than anything else in the world. I love to preach and pray for the sick. I was in Ghana, and I've laid hands on four heads of state in Ghana over the years. I've had a lot of ministry in Africa that many people don't know about. And I was with President Rawlings, and we had had a press conference. And uh, afterwards, I said, Mr. President, can I, can I pray over you? And he said, yes. So I laid my hands on him and prayed. And he took my hand in his, and we held hands together while I prayed. And when I said amen, he wouldn't let my hand go. And it was awkward. I'm not used to holding hands with men. He, he wouldn't let go of my hand. And he's a big man, about six foot six. Big man. Big hands, much bigger than mine. I couldn't get out. <laughs> he said, Dr. Roberts, I've held many hands in my life. Some hands hot and some hands cold. But your hand has the right temperature. <laughs> Now, the news media is there. They're all filming it. And uh, we're on, uh, live on television in, in, in the capital city, Accra. And uh, I said, well, Mr. President, I think I know what you're trying to say, but it's not my hands that you're feeling. It's the anointing. It's the power of God that's on my life. It's not me, and it's not mine. It's him. And that's what's happening today. I give him the honor. I give him the glory. Great things he has done. I take no credit. I'm just a vessel. But I'm a willing vessel. 
And I've learned how to use the name of Jesus. And I use it on everything. When my wife's car wouldn't start the other day, she used the name of Jesus on the steering wheel. And the car started. You know, use the name of Jesus. Three, three, three quick things I want to share with you before I, before I stop. I got a call this week from my longtime friend, Pastor Hank Kuhneman, up in Omaha. Uh, my father called him the most accurate prophet that he ever met. Hank and I are very close. And he prophesied three things over me this week. And he said, wherever you go from now, you need to share these three things just briefly with the people. So you might want to get something to write on. This is, this is a fresh word from the Lord that I got this week. He said, it's not just for me, it's for the body of Christ. So he said, take it for yourself, but also give it to the body of Christ. He said, it's a prophetic word about what's coming. He said, it's for you, Richard, but it's also for every other Christian. He said, number one, great grace is coming. Great grace. Grace is God's unmerited favor. Undeserved. Yet he gives it. Not because we are worthy. Remember the Roman centurion who said, I'm not worthy that you should enter into my house. But it wasn't a question of his worthiness. It was, it was God's goodness. And Jesus healed his centurion, the centurion's servant. Uh, not, about, not about your worthiness. A lot of Christians today don't feel worthy because something's happened. Your fault, somebody else's fault, nobody's fault. But it's happened. And many Christians today feel unworthy. Well, wipe that out of your vocabulary. God's grace, His unmerited favor is coming. That's number one. Number two, great power is coming. Great power. Most Christians that I know are not aware of the intense power they have. And that's what I preached on today in the name of Jesus. Great power comes when we use the name of Jesus. What is the exceeding greatness of his power of his greatness, the Bible says, the greatness of his power to us who believe. When he rose from the dead and sits on the, at the right hand of God the Father and sends out his name to us. There's great power coming to us. And we need to exercise that power. We don't need to be closet Christians. Just worship God when we're in the service. I don't care who knows what I believe. I was in, how many have heard of Dallas? I live in Dallas. And I was going up that, if you've ever been to Dallas airport, they have this uh, three-story escalator that goes up to catch the tram to change and change terminals. And sometimes I have changed planes, you know. And so I was going up this long escalator, and this woman was coming down. And she recognized me. And she yelled at me, I've got cancer, pray. <laughs> She's coming down, I'm going up. And everybody's looking, you know, she's yelling about cancer and they're all looking at me. <laughs> and, you know, it's awkward. And uh, I, so I yell back at her. You're going to pass by me right here. And when, when you do, I'm going to touch you. I say, get over on this side and I'll get over on this side. And here we come. I, I, she's going to go like this, get closer. And you can see people just watching, trying to see. <laughs> in the world is going on. I couldn't care less what they think. Who cares? Here we come. I got near and all of a sudden I just reached out and cancer be healed in the name of Jesus. She went, whoo, whoo. I hope that makes the devil good and mad. He can just go to hell as far as I'm concerned. Okay, so great grace, great power, and third, are you ready for this? Don't miss this one. Great provision. How do we do what God's called us to do? How do we do it? M-O-N-E-Y. My dad used to say to me, son, the gospel's free. Sure takes a lot of money to put it on TV. There is an end time transfer of wealth that's coming. It's near. Very near. Why? Because there's an end time transfer of souls. Harvest of souls. How are we going to get the gospel to the world without the money to pay for it? Well, who's the harvest going to come to? It's going to come to the sower. 
It's going to come to the one who sows. There's an end time transfer of wealth coming into the hands of those who sow. Because it's going to cost M-O-N-E-Y to take this gospel to every nation, to every creature, every tribe, every tongue. Until everyone has heard the name of Jesus. I'm getting ready just in a few weeks to go back to India. I'll be with 2,000 rural pastors who are in areas where there is virtually no internet and they have no resources. They're coming uh, to a conference for five days. I did this last year with 1,700 other pastors, most of whom had no idea they could pray for the sick and have miracles. Now they're experiencing cancers falling off people's bodies, blindness, glaucoma being healed, crippled people. They've had several people raised from the dead. Their churches have doubled and tripled in size. Now I'm going back with another 2,000 in another area of India. Uh, to, to teach them on healing the Holy Spirit and seed faith to help evangelize the second most populous nation in the world. 1.3 billion people. And in India they serve 3 million gods. And I'm going to tell them about the one true God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. A tremendous things are happening, but Jesus said it's not going to end until this gospel has been preached as a witness to all people. So if you've been worried about who the Antichrist is, forget it. You've been wondering when the end is coming. I can tell you when the end is coming. When this gospel has been preached. And every person has heard it. That's when it's going to happen. Don't listen to the prognosticators. Don't listen to the media. In fact, I try not to listen to the media at all. You know. Don't do that. Great provision is coming. And it's coming into the life of the sower. And God told me, it's for me, but he also said it's for you. Great grace. Everybody say great grace. great grace. There's great power. Everybody say great power. And there's great provision. Say that. Great grace. Great power. Great provision. Now put your hands up like this and say, Father, I receive the grace. I receive the power. I receive the provision. In the name of the Lord. It's mine. Nobody can take it. It belongs to me. And so I take my place. I take my seat. In Jesus' name. Now somebody give him praise. Hallelujah. Pastor Phyllis. Pastor Dave. I have done. Oh, I, I, brought, uh, oh, I brought some product. I, I think most of it may already be gone. But I brought some things with me. I brought my book. He's a healing Jesus. And that... What you see there is a picture of a little girl. You can't see her face. A little Muslim girl who was uh, deaf. And when I prayed for her, this was in Niger. It's a Muslim nation in West Africa. A little girl got healed. And it happened in front of about 60,000 people. And my wife said, that's the cover of your book. So it's all called He's a Healing Jesus. It's available out there. And you have that. And uh, uh, this, one is, uh, this one is called Your Road to a Better Life. It took me eight months to write this book. And it's powerful. It's out there. It's available. And you can have that. And this is the one I just finished writing. It's brand new called Thrive, Eliminating Lack in Your Life. And you can have that. And uh, uh, this one is a CD I did called the, the Day the Earth Stood Still. And that's yours. You can have that. And this one is called His. He Sent His Word and Healed Them and Delivered Them from Their Destruction. When people call us at the Abundant Life Prayer Group, um, oftentimes they're getting put on hold because there's so many calls. You get about 2,500 calls a day. And they get on hold, and when they do, they get this. They get to hear this. And a lot of times they're healed for the prayer partner comes on the line. Oh, those are available, and if they're not available, you can go online and get them. God bless you all.